Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Shanice Lewis, coming to you live from Los Angeles. Today is Monday, September 3rd, 2012. Happy Labor Day. I hope you have fun today and had a lot of good barbecue. While you're listening, make sure you like Plus Model Radio's Facebook page at facebook.com slash plusmodelradio and on Twitter at twitter.com slash plusmodelradio. And if you haven't already, Check out the new issue of Plus Model Magazine with three hot covers this month. Make sure you check it out at plusmodelmag.com. Plus Model Radio is a proud sponsor of the Fuller Woman Expo, which will be September 21st through the 23rd in Detroit. And Kim Coles will be returning as the keynote speaker. For more information, visit fullerwomanexpo.com. In Los Angeles, save the date, October 13th, Elite Curves International presents Hot Curves during L.A. Fashion Week at the Los Angeles Convention Center. I will be the host for this fashion show, and a lot of special guests will be there. So to purchase tickets and for more information about the event, visit EliteCurvesInternational.com. And today we have a very, very special guest on the show, Frenchie Davis. Songbird Frenchie Davis was born in Washington, D.C. and raised in Los Angeles, California, where she started her musical journey performing in plays throughout her school years, eventually deciding to audition for the second season of the groundbreaking Fox show American Idol. Her success on the show launched the Howard University alum to raise the rise to fame rather quickly, and she has been progressing ever since. Frenchie moved on to join the Broadway cast of the hit show Rent and played the role of Effie White in Dreamgirls, leading her to four wonderful years on Broadway, eventually becoming a Grammy-nominated artist for her involvement in the revival of Ain't Misbehaving. Recently, the singer the singing starlet joined Team Christina on NBC's hit show The Voice, and became one of the top four finalists. Her cover of When Love Takes Over landed at number three on iTunes' dance chart, launching her undeniable talent into the national spotlight yet again. Frenchie has now ventured out and established her own label, Frenchie Davis Music Group, and her first smash single, Love's Got a Hold on Me, will be released tomorrow, September 4th, and will be featured on Frenchie's upcoming debut, Just Frenchie LP, and Let's welcome the wonderful one and only Frenchie Davis to the show. <laughs> 
Hi. Hi. <laughs> Holy <Hi>. biography. <laughs> well, hey, girl, you've accomplished a lot. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be on the show. We've been Facebook friends for a while, so this yes. is exciting. So yeah. it's long overdue. So how did you discover um, your gift and, and this amazing voice? Did you grow up singing in the church? Um, I grew up singing in church in the choir, um, and, you know, I was a musical theater nerd when I was a kid. So I watched Annie every day after school for at least a good five years of my childhood, and I loved Little Shop of Horrors. That was another favorite movie of mine. And so I think my love of musical movies and, you know, singing in the choir helped me develop my um my ability to sing, but I always loved to sing for, for as long as I can remember. And living in Los Angeles, did you ever uh, try to pursue a career in entertainment at a younger age? Because, you know, everybody knows somebody, somebody cousin is at a music company. Did you ever try and do it, uh, you know, in elementary school or middle school? Actually, no. You know, my parents were really conservative. And they were kind of like, okay, well, it's great that you can sing, but where are you going to college? You know, so their emphasis was, you know, singing can, you know, singing can be your hobby, but you need to be focused on education because, you know, I, I didn't grow up wealthy or anything like that, and my parents, you know, struggled a lot, and you know, their point was, you know, we're both college educated and we're struggling. So mm-hmm. if you don't if you don't have a degree you don't have a chance. And that was the way that they looked at it. So as much as they, you know, supported my love of singing, mm-hmm. they definitely wanted to make sure that I was focused on being well rounded academically. And so, you know, I didn't really pursue um a career uh as a kid. I I didn't really think I could do this for a living until I got to college. Um I thought that, you know, I'd be an English teacher or something like that and, you know, singing in the choir, you know, would be my hobby or something. But I never imagined that, you know, I can do this for a living until, you know, I got to college and studied. And so and you Howard. went to college at Howard University, and there did you major in theater? Yes, I did, yeah. And so I, uh, I was ahead. originally going to be an English major, and then I auditioned for the school play, uh, which ironically was Ain't Misbehaving, and um, I got the lead um, and changed my major to musical theater uh, shortly thereafter. And so while you were in college, um, is that where you found out about the American Idol auditions, or was it after you graduated? No, I was still a student. I had actually uh, taken the leave um, to go perform in a production of Little Shop of Horrors in Germany, and while I was there, that's when they were doing season one of American Idol. And uh, when I returned to the States and, you know, returned to school, uh, a friend of mine, uh, Kira, you know, said, there's this new show that you have to try out for. It's called American Idol. And she explained it to me. And she was like, they're not having auditions in D.C., so you would have to go to New York to audition. And, you know, I had saved all my money from Germany to pay my tuition, so you know, it just didn't seem realistic to try to, you know, come up with money to go to New York, you know, when I had books and tuition and all that stuff to pay for. So Right, school is you know, very, very came, expensive. Yes, and so she came up with the idea to go to the school's computer lab and type up 
plant sheets, uh, the official Send Frenchie to American Idol tryouts fund. And really? She, yeah, and she went around the whole campus and raised like almost 500 bucks for me to get to New York and audition. Really? Where is Karen today? <laughs> you keep in touch with her. I can't find her. I've been looking for her. So anybody out there, Kira Sachs, you know, I've been trying to get in touch with her forever. We lost touch um, like a few years after I moved to New York. And, you know, you cell phones crash on you and you have to get new ones and you don't have anybody's contact information until they call you and, you know, so I've been looking for her. And I have faith that I'll find her because um, I just yeah, with reconnected with, yeah, and I just reconnected with my seventh grade music teacher who I've been looking for for years. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, thank, and that's we owe that to social networking. So, right, made the world like this big. <laughs> and, and so you went to American Idol and you yeah. made it through the audition. It was successful. You went to Hollywood. Now, do yeah. you like to talk about what happened with the American Idol? Um, you know, the little the thing that went down or do you, you the say controversy. That's in the past? I mean, you know, it is in the past, you know, it's not something that I run from, you know, um but I don't I don't shy away from talking about it. I mean, is what's the question that you like to ask about it? <laughs> so so okay, you know, I, I, I remember when it all went down and you fell on hard times at Howard and so mm-hmm. you went and took Pictures because you were you had set out for school for a year and you needed money to re-enroll, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so this was way before American Idol even. Five years before. I was 19 years old uh, when I took those pictures, and um, I was, uh, you know, what, 20, so four years earlier. I was 23, I think, when I did Idol. So it was four years before. And, and, and when you auditioned, did they have, like, any rules that say, you know, you know, you can't have anything from the past? Did you no, even they didn't think have, that was going to come up? Well, they didn't have any of those rules, but, I mean, there's enough reality TV on the air now for people to know that what I'm about to say to you is the truth. There is no reality television show, particularly a competition-based one, that is going to allow someone to compete without doing an extensive background check on them. So we had to take personality tests, we had to do psychiatric evaluations, and we had to fill out background check information that was like the size, a stack of papers the size of like the encyclopedia. Right. And so they knew about the pictures because I told them about them on the oh. information. So and really so it I, just came I under think, fire when it got in on the Internet and the media got a hold to it. Well, the media didn't get a hold to it. The pictures never surfaced. So oh. no no one ever saw the pictures, actually. Oh. See how, you see how people read what the media say and think they know what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I, want, like, I want the person who saw the pictures to call me right now because, you know, the pictures have been taken four years prior um, the site that they were on had been sold to a completely different company years before. So mm-hmm. the pictures weren't even out, you know. Um, I disclosed all of that information. Uh, you know, people were getting kicked off of the show for lying on their background check information, for lying about their age and things like that. How 
how do you think they discovered that those people were lying? Because they did background checks on all of us. So we were encouraged to disclose every skeleton in every closet because we knew that they would be doing background checks on us. So I, I, I sincerely think that the controversy um, stemmed from the public wondering, you know, why kick her off the show if she was honest about it? Why, why pretend like this is something you just discovered? They knew. Hmm. And so fast forward to season six of American Idol, there was a contestant in in the same situation. Oh no, um, she was in a different situation because she had a penis in her mouth in her photographs. So that's what? different. And she was allowed to <laughs> so stay that's on the a show. Different situation. She was allowed to stay on the show. And Rosie O'Donnell even went on as far on the view as saying she thought American Idol was racist. What are your thoughts on that? Or you know, do you? Do you think that it was early in the show, they were still figuring it out because you were on the first season, or do you think you were just really discriminated against? You know, I've never um, spoken negatively about American Idol publicly, and Mm -hmm. I refuse to do it. You know, um, I just believe that some things, you know, you have to keep close to your bosom, and that's part of being ladylike. And so I'm never going to speak negatively about them publicly. I think that intelligent people in the public have already come to their own conclusions. And so I don't need to say it. Right, right, right. And after that happened, did you um, get depressed, or what? how was it after it happened and you kicked off the show and they made a big hoopla? Where, Where did you go from there? Um, you know, there was definitely a moment, a long moment of depression, and um, you know, me having to take time to reevaluate whether or not I'm cut out for this, and whether or not, you know, I was really prepared to deal with all of the things that come with, you know, pursuing this as a career. You know, so there was definitely a moment of of that. I'd be not human, and I'd be a liar if I said, you know, that there wasn't that moment, you know. Um, And for a long time, I think, you know, being able to do Broadway was, it was really safe for me because it allowed me to do what I loved every day without having to deal with the media scrutiny. And how long uh, was the time frame in between Idol to uh, go into Broadway? Um, I believe Idol kicked me off in March, and I joined the cast of Rent in April or May. Because I celebrate my birthday's in May, and I remember celebrating my birthday uh, in the show. Like I was was beginning rehearsals for the show around the time of my birthday that year. So, um, yeah, so it was uh, pretty quick, you know, because shortly after... I left the show. Um, Entertainment Tonight hired me to host the red carpet for the Grammys for them. And um, that year the Grammys were in New York. So while I was there, you know, um, I took my uh, theater, you know, training from Howard and my resume and went and, you know, auditioned for all the casting, all the theater casting directors that I knew of in New York. And um, the Rent people had already seen me audition because a lot of casting directors from Broadway would come and do audition workshops at Howard when I was a student there. So 
I think they had already seen me audition and then they saw me on on Idol and then I popped up in New York and auditioned again and you know I was I started rehearsal a few weeks after that. So wow, well, that's awesome. Yeah, so, everything happens. Yeah, it really does. So after your success on Broadway, did you try? Um, going straight to music companies to launch your solo music career from there? I actually didn't. You know, I, you know, I didn't really at, at that point. I didn't really think that a recording career was, you know, a realistic um, goal at that time. You know, uh, fate didn't seem to be pushing me in that direction, and I still wasn't sure if I was ready to deal with all that comes with that level of, um, you know, exposure. So Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, again, I was very comfortable and and happy doing Broadway. You know, um, it's very respectable work and everybody can't do it. Um, Right. So I was, you know, really thankful, I mean, to be putting my, my education to use and doing something that, you know, was you know I fell in love with the very early stages of uh, my career as a singer. So, you know, I didn't um, for a long while. I didn't think that it was a realistic possibility. But you wanted to do it eventually, or you just was like, I'm through. Well, it wasn't like I'm through. It was just kind of like you know I'm just going to walk the path that's laid in front of me, and. You know, if that opportunity presents itself, then great. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to, you know, keep singing for my gay boys and keep doing my Broadway thing and, you know, be happy. Um, Because I don't want to be, you know, embittered and I don't want to, you know, live a life where, you know, where I'm disappointed and depressed. And, you know, and I think that the way the main way that you avoid becoming that kind of person is you remember to be thankful for every opportunity. And, you know, my theater career was thriving, and so I just went with that. And, um, you know, I and at the time I didn't really want to deal with, you know, the media scrutiny. And right. then, you know, then I ended up on the cover of the National Enquirer for being fat, and I realized well, hiding isn't really protecting me from the scrutiny, so I might as well just go for so it. So did you have concerns about be- being a plus-size woman and, uh, you know, trying to do the music industry thing when when image is such a big deal in the music industry? Um, you know, I definitely was aware that it would not be easy for someone who, you know, as easy as it would be for someone who's, you know, thin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I was very aware of that, but I didn't, you know, um, yeah, it wasn't something that I um, overthought about because, you know, I think I'm beautiful. I think I'm sexy, and, you know, I'm sexy no matter what size I am, and hey. I believe that. So, you know, it wasn't really um an issue it wasn't like i didn't feel pretty so <laughs> and you, know, you shouldn't because you are and so <laughs> and then the the voice comes along so why did yeah. you even consider going on another reality competition didn't you know, that just scare you and 
it, it scared the hell out of me, you know. And but again, it goes back to my spiritual side. You know, I believe that you have to walk the path that's laid in front of you, and you have to take chances. And that's not an opportunity that I sought out. You know, I was performing at a nightclub in West Hollywood, and the casting director for The Voice happened to be at the, you know, in the audience having drinks that night. Mm-hmm. And she approached me and was like, "Hey, we're, you know, doing this new show." It's going to be great. It's going to be different, you know, from completely different from Idol. We don't care about your past. We just think that, you know, your voice is awesome and you should audition. And I was like, of course, my initial reaction was, you know, after what I went through with Idol, hell no. But, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, you know, nobody ever gets anywhere being afraid to take chances. And, you know, some of the most genius things come out of someone doing something that everyone else might think is crazy. Right. You know, um, I decided to trust that the universe sent that opportunity, you know, to me for a reason, and I took it, and I'm really happy that I did. It was a wonderful experience. And I watched you on the show, and on The Voice you kept saying um, it was your second chance. So... Do you think you needed... Did I say? Who said that? I said that? Or I were they swear saying you kept that? saying this, this was your second chance. Oh, no. I, oh, I never said that. You might have to rewatch that footage. I think that's oh. how they were. Oh. I think that's, you know, Carson Daly, you know, the night that, you know, I made it on the Team Xena, you know, he hashtagged second chances, and that became a thing. So, but, you know. Oh, but those weren't you your exact do? words out of your mouth. No, I never said this is my second chance. I never said that. So um, do you think the show, the platform of the show, um, is is good to help launch your solo career, or do you think that regardless you were going to, you know, do your solo thing anyway? Because at first you well, were. Well, I, um, I think the show is it's great for helping artists uh, build their brand, you know, mm-hmm. when they already have a following. You know, I mean, because really it's, more of a star vehicle for the judges, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the judges have been on the cover of every magazine, and it's like, where is Javier? So, right. you know, I think, you know, realistically speaking, that's what's happened. That's what these reality competition shows have evolved into. They've evolved into star vehicles for the judges more so than the contestants. But I think if, you know, the contestants already kind of have a following, then, you know, it's definitely um, great exposure and, um, you know, it definitely helps with the brand building. So, And so your single, Love's Got a Hold on Me, is available tomorrow. And yeah. you can pre-order it today. Now, where will this single be available? Oh, it's going to be everywhere digitally, you know, iTunes, Amazon, um, you know, all the, uh, the digital uh, music sites. So, um, and it's a dance song, and I will give the voice credit for that. You know, a lot of the songs that Christina Aguilera wanted me to sing on the show were dance songs. And Mm. in the moment, I was like, you know, come on, Christina, let me sing, you know. (laughs) Right. Um, And because it was a competition called The Voice, and so I wanted to be able to sing songs that allowed me to show off my voice, but, you know, Christina was like, nope, that's too expected. Let's, you know, 
do some dance stuff. And, you know, every dance song I did on the show ended up in the top five on the iTunes dance charts, and it opened up a whole new door of possibility for me. And, you know, I realized that I don't have to put myself in a box. Everybody knows I can sing. Right. And I think everybody would expect you to put out an R&B album. Exactly. Well, we're not doing that on this one. But, you know, I I definitely want to sing pretty for everybody, but I want to make them dance too. So is it is this uh this new C D that you're gonna put out, is it mostly dance, music yes. all the way through? It's mostly dance. I mean, of course there's gonna be power ballads. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like How Did You Get Here by Deborah Cox, all oh. the power ballads will probably be dance remixed. So, you know. <laughs> but they'll definitely be those. And is there a, a release date for your your album yet? Um, we know it's gonna be after the new year. It's I don't want to set a date in stone yet and then have to push it back um, because there's so much going on with, you know, trying to finish the Christmas album and, you know, everything else that's happening. And, you know, I'm trying to um, start, you know, my plus-size lingerie line. And Yeah, I want to you know, ask you that, but I want to ask you, too, uh, like you're taking your music career uh, in your own hands because you formed your own music label, Frenchie Davis I, Music Group. I did. So do you and, have other artists already signed? Are you looking for new talent? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um at some point, yes. I mean, we're still building it and you know, I I guess I'm the guinea pig and we'll see mm-hmm. how successful this goes and you know, if other artists wanna come be Team Frenchie, I'm all for it. <laughs> and so having your own own music label, it kind of empowers you as an artist so you don't really have to answer to that many people? Right. It definitely empowers you as an artist. and But it's not, you know, it's definitely not easy. And, you know, it's not a game because you have to be the artist and you have to be the business person too. And, um, you know, and, and sometimes balancing those two can be a challenge because, um what might be a good business decision may not always fall in line with what you feel artistically. And right. there are definitely those moments. And, right. Um, so it's definitely a challenge sometimes, but, um, you know, nothing of true value comes easy, so, you know, you keep on pushing. Right. Well, that's very exciting. Now, besides music, is other things going uh, on in your life now? I yeah. remember a post on Facebook with Facebook friends, mm-hmm. and you post something similar to, I think I just came out, if I'm not mistaken. I don't <laughs> want to misquote you again. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think you said, yeah. I think I just came I out. Like, I, I think know. I just came out in an interview, so my dad's going to kill me, but, you know, it happened. <laughs> so how how did that come about? Were you uh, – you did an interview, and then yeah. what, what did you say that, that made you come out? You talked about your relationship or something? Well, yeah, I, we were doing the interview, and I think he asked me something about, he a- definitely asked me a direct question regarding my sexuality, um, or I, I mentioned something about my home life or my partner, or, and he was like, so is that male or, or female partner? Mm-hmm. And it was just kind of like in the moment I realized, you know what, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life giving ambiguous answers about who I am. So I just in the moment decided to answer the question truthfully. 
So you have a- you've been asked that question before, but you chose not to give the straight answer? Well, no, not particularly. Um, I've always answered the question truthfully, um, but they never directly asked, you know, are you gay, are you, you know, a lesbian, are you bisexual, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, it's not something I ever really had to talk about because the people who know me already know, you know. Right, because like, you weren't in my, the closet. No, no, you're my Facebook friend. My partner's been tagged in my relationship status for how long? Right. So well. Exactly. So <laughs> it's not, <laughs> it was never something that I hid. Um, you know, I'm bisexual. I've dated mostly men, mm-hmm. and maybe some people assumed that I was straight, and then, you know, people who knew me in college probably assumed I was a lesbian. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's not, it's never something that I went out of my way to hide or anything. Um, and when, you know, I wasn't planning on, you know, coming out publicly because there's definitely a significant difference between being open and honest about who you are with your family and friends and mm-hmm. then inviting media scrutiny into your personal life. Right. You know, because in a perfect world, it's nobody's fucking business. Right. But because we live in a world where society tries to force us to hide who we are, it's kind of like in order to stand up against that, you have to say, listen, I'm a grown-ass woman, and my road to self-acceptance and self-love has been too tedious to even waste time trying to give you an ambiguous answer about who I am. So, right, and you got other you know, stuff to and worry that about. Was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't have time for it. I ain't got time, you know, and so that was just kind of the epiphany that I had in the moment, and, um, yeah. So. And I know the African-American community can be very homophobic. Oh, have yeah. You, have you had any challenges since this um, came out? Oh, yeah, definitely, you know, particularly from, you know, certain members of the African-American, you know, media. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I was invited to do an interview on the Tom Jordan Morning Show and was not treated kindly at all. You know, that interview ended with someone yelling, well, let a man into the bedroom, um, just to give you some insight on how disrespectful it was. Um, And they know they were wrong. That's why they never posted the interview. The only Mm -hmm. people who heard it were the people who heard it live. Mm -hmm. Um, So, um, yeah, so I've definitely experienced that. (laughs) And, you know, I, just like I experience homophobia in the black community, I experience biphobia in in the uh, gay community. Oh, really? A lot of, yeah, because a lot of lesbians are turned off by the bisexual thing, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's really it's interesting to have, you know, two groups of people who both know what it's like to be discriminated against and right. somehow find it justifiable to judge someone else and discriminate against them. So it's it's really interesting. <laughs> so, so now do you see yourself as somewhat as uh, a spokesperson or an uh, activist for the gay community? or? Well, I, I've, anyone who knows me knows that I've always been um, an advocate for um, human rights and mm-hmm. equality. Um, I've performed at almost every gay pride in the country. And I've right. 
performed numerous human rights campaign and GLAD events throughout my entire career. So, um, you know, when I was on Broadway, I had a Monday night cabaret show every week that I did at a popular gay club in Chelsea. So I've been, you know, um, an advocate for most of my life. My, You know, throughout my entire high school years, uh, my father was a regional director for Amnesty International, so human rights has always been a part of my life, and it's always been something that I've been passionate about just as much as I am about music. And, you know, so I wouldn't say that I'm a spokesperson or advocate for gay people, but I will say that I'm a spokesperson and I'm an advocate for human rights because I believe that all human beings should be treated equally, mm-hmm. and that's just, the, you know, the core of it. Right. And you also have other things you're working on. You you mentioned your plus-size lingerie line you're coming out with. Now tell me about yes. this. Yes. Well, I'm working, I'm in the process of, uh, I've been meeting with a few companies who've been interested in helping me uh, launch it, so I just, you know, have to finalize things and make a decision. But, you know, we know that plus-size clothing, it's one of the fastest-growing industries in fashion for yeah. the past almost 10 years, and what's the point of making all of these beautiful clothes if we're not, you know, um, if the proper undergarments are not accessible, you know? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. um, for me, I wear wear a 38K, and, you know, Lane Bryant bras only go up to an H, you know? Oh, so what do you do? You got to get them custom made? mm -hmm. Well, there's a a bra company uh, based in Europe called Panache, and I order a lot of um, their bras, but they don't make any plunge bras, you know. So it's like, you know, when you find a bra that does fit, then it's, you know, is it the right fit for the outfit that you're wearing? Because if you're wearing something low cut, then you have to make sure that you're wearing the proper undergarment so that your bra isn't showing, which I've been guilty of a good billion times. So, (laughs) you know, um, yeah, so I just think that it's, it's definitely something that's missing from the market. And you know you've got to we've got to be able to hoist the girls up and suck it in and you know create the so line. Are you going to eventually expand into clothing, or are you just going to stick with lingerie? I'm. You know what? I'm open to it. Um, right now, I think I'm just going to focus on the lingerie part of it. But I'll definitely expand. You know, in the clothes, or I'm definitely open to um, expanding the clothes, but. I definitely know boobs, so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stick with the lingerie. You know, I'm gonna stick with what I know for now. I mean, I know clothes, but I know, you know, um, I know the issues that women with curves and women who aren't necessarily plus size but who have big boobs. I know. Right. I know all of it. So, um, you know, I think. Um, I think that's going to be the primary focus of, of that for now, but I'm definitely open to uh, doing clothes as well. And when you uh, do performances, do you sometimes have a hard time finding clothing that you want to wear to perform in? You know, plus-size clothing is it's a lot of more options now, but yeah. is it options for, you know, to dazzle on stage, or do you have to get a lot of things custom-made? I get a lot of things custom made, but, you know, there are a lot of designers out there who, you know, who bring it. You know, I've rocked Monique C., um, David Meister, um, Lauren, you know, Ralph Lauren's uh, plus-size mm-hmm. line. 
uh, Calvin Klein has really good plus size stuff too. Um, you know, Oscar De La Renta has good. You know, he he goes up to an eighteen now. So mm-hmm. you know, occasionally I find um, you know good pieces. Um, when I want to be long and flowy, I can always get a Rachel Pally dress or something. You know, right? Um, like that. But you know, when I know when I already know that whole collection for that season and I've worn all the stuff that I like, then Mm -hmm. that's when I go and get something custom-made. So So out of all of your accomplishments, what are you most proud of? You know, I I think it's not even necessarily the accomplishments. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's more the fact that I kept going, like that... You know, right? Like just, I, I could have been knocked down for good so many times, and I wasn't. And you know, I'm still. You're like here. a survivor. Yeah, you know, and it's like I still, you know, I'm still doing what I love, and I'm still living my life and loving myself and living my truth, and you know, not giving a damn how anybody really feels about it, and that's a good place to be, you know, when you know what being the other place feels like. So I think I'm most proud of the fact that I I never gave up and that, you know, every day, because, you know, I'm a very sensitive person, but every day, you know, my lack of give a fuckedness, it, you know, (laughs) it gets a little, (laughs) yeah, you know, every day. And it's, um, you know, it's just a comfort in my skin, you know, I think that just happens once you're over 30, and, you know, I'm 33, um, mm-hmm. and I just think that that starts to happen gradually, and you just start to develop a comfort in your skin, and I think that is the thing that I'm most proud of, because that's really what's going to matter. I mean, right? audiences go home, stage lights go out, <laughs> you know, right. who the hell are you after right. that? Right, right. You know, like I could lose my voice tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I didn't give myself this voice like God did that. Like I had no control over it. You know, I have control over whether or not I use it and what I choose to, to do with it, but it could be gone tomorrow. So it's like, you know, at the, you have to be proud of who you are at the core of your being because all that other shit is extra. <laughs> I hear that. <laughs> so do you have a... Uh, any uh, tours coming up, dates, uh, release parties? Yeah, What's um, coming up? we have um, we have a a bunch of release parties. Um, we're I think we're probably you know doing every you know gay club in West in the neighborhood in West mm-hmm. Hollywood, mm-hmm. and um, I'm been in talks with uh, clubs in San Francisco and Vegas. Um, I'm performing at Crave Nightclub on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, September 22nd, and, um, you know, just, um, and next year it's going to be crazy because I'm probably going to be at all the, you know, doing my Pride tour, which I do every year, Mm -hmm. Um, and it'll be Prides all over the country, sometimes, you know, all over the globe, you know, it depends. Oh, really? And, um, yeah, you know, um, so, yeah, I'm mo- right now I'm focusing on recording and um the gigs are going to come more than likely after the new year. Um 
right now I'm just focused on recording. And so um, to reiterate about the single, the single drops tomorrow. Tomorrow. And you can pre-order <laughs> so today. Huh? I said I'm so excited. <laughs> Are you? Do you have butterflies in your stomach? Yeah, like I'm excited. I'm I'm scared. I'm like so many emotions, you know. Um, but I'm I'm really um, I can't even describe it. You know, it's like it's ten years after I was on Idol, and I'm just now releasing my first single. Like that's crazy, you know. But everything and I, happens everything for a reason. Everything happens for a reason, and it's like after I. I had given up on the possibility of this even happening, and it's happening. You know? And on your own music label. Right. I never would have imagined that I would end up starting my own label, and that's, you know, it's just, you just never know what the universe has in store for you, you know, and that's why you just have to take everything in stride and you got to trust and you well, got to take chances. Exciting. So, And you can pre-order today on Amazon and yeah. It'll be it'll be available tomorrow on iTunes to download. Yeah. And now I listen to music on Spotify. Is the Spotify pay artists? Or do I need to download it on iTunes? <laughs> Tell download me, give me my instructions. <laughs> <laughs> download it on iTunes or Amazon just to be safe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having you. me. And what is your um, official website? Um, for bookings, it's uh, FrenchieDavis.org, and then for me personally, it's OfficialFrenchie.com. And you're on Facebook. You're I'm on, on Twitter. Facebook, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. So, and we have we have good talks on my Facebook page. Yeah, so you sure do. You get down on in. Facebook. Yeah, we have we have really good you know debates and. You know, we talk about everything that you can think of on my page. So, you know, check it out, subscribe. You know, it's it's um, it's good stuff. Well, again, continue success. You have my support. If there's anything I can do for you, just hi, give me a shout. And, you know, I'm on Team Frenchie, so don't Thank hesitate so to ask. Me. Thank you. It was so nice talking to you. And, and we'll keep in touch on Facebook. Yes, and I will be downloading it on iTunes tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you All so right. much. All right, you have a good night. Enjoy the Me rest too. of your Labor Day. Okay, you bye-bye. Too. Bye-bye. And thank you to my fabulous guest, Frenchie Davis. And tune in next week, and we'll have more plus industry professionals with stories to not only inspire you, but to keep you connected with the Curvy community. If you are interested in advertising on the show or being a guest, visit the website at plusmodelradio.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to join the Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash plusmodelradio. I've been your host this evening, Shanice Lewis. Thank you for tuning in and supporting. Until next time, keep thriving in your curves and be blessed.